This Sunday calls us out into this world to love even enemies. The world does not understand that love. It doesn't get God's unconditional love for sinners. It only understands canceling our enemies and the character assassination which it implies. But God looks upon our sin, our wretched wickedness, and he does not destroy us as we deserve. He loves us instead. He sends his son to die on a cross, and we are saved. That love, which is Jesus himself, transforms our broken sinful lives into something which belongs in heaven and which reflects God's very nature. Welcome to the Sand Hills Lutheran Ministry Podcast. I am Pastor John Edding. The theme of this sermon on the seventh Sunday after the Epiphany is He Brings Love. This is a sermon from Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 38. And it is the seventh sermon in a series called Unwrapping the Gift. Thanks be to God. Let's get to the sermon. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. To err is human. On March 23rd, 2021, the mega freighter ever given, one of the largest container ships ever built, got stuck in the Suez Canal to create the world's heaviest traffic jam. The 1,312 foot, 220,000 ton ever given, nearly a quarter of a mile long, think Empire State Building long, (laughs) created a shipper's nightmare and captured the public's imagination when it blocked the canal. Of course, the internet meme industry went crazy. Um, Someone had photoshopped two huge-looking WD-40 aerosol cans pointed at each end of the ship and asked, has anyone tried this? Of course, there were some serious implications um, of a stuck ship in this canal. Because all transportation through um, a major world trade route suddenly came to a screeching halt. It created a a traffic jam of more than 360 ships that cost billions in delayed shipments. While strong winds were a factor in throwing the the ship off course, uh, it was determined after an investigation that a series of commands by uh, some, uh, by the Egyptian pilots appeared to have made matters worse sending the ship careening out of control and slamming into both banks of the canal. To err is human, and human error causes things to get stuck. Jesus calls us today to love our enemies, but this is where we get stuck. You and I have enemies and those who hate us, Some will curse and abuse us. Uh, Others will strike us and force us to serve them. Others will steal from us or manipulate us. Uh, I have, you and I have enemies. Some are in the world. Others 
within my own family and church. And sometimes that enemy is as close as the mirror. When our love gets stuck and unable to reach our enemy, everything gets jammed up. The love that our Lord Jesus has shown us doesn't get to our neighbor, especially to our enemy. Our love gets stuck in the mud. And I'm afraid no amount of WD-40 is going to help us here. Oh, do we have some excuses. I'm only human. To err is human, you know. In our sermon series, Unwrapping a Gift, we we are looking at a gift so mysterious and so life-giving, life-changing, that receiving this gift might give us some pause. Jesus brings us the gift of love. But a deeper look at this gift, and we notice something, we notice that it comes with the following instructions. My unconditional gift of love is yours, and yours to share to everyone and anyone. Everyone? Anyone? Uh, All people? Difficult people? My enemy? At this point, we start looking for the receipt to turn uh, this gift to return it to the sender. (laughs) But Jesus gives us the gift anyway. This Sunday calls us out into this world to love even enemies. The world doesn't understand that love. And then it didn't understand what we talked about last week, right? The, The fact that the truth that we are simultaneously both saint and sinner. It it also doesn't get God's unconditional love for sinners. It only understands canceling our enemies and character assassination, which it implies. But God looks upon our sin, our wretched wickedness, and he does not destroy us as we deserve. He loves us instead. He sends us his son to die on the cross, and we are saved. Today, listen in again, and and what is called the Sermon on the Plain. Jesus calls his disciples and us to love as he loved the whole world. And if we learn anything today, or one thing today, especially one thing today, it is this. Everything that Jesus asks us, he himself has done on our behalf. Verse 27, I say to you who hear. That's how he opens in this text. Jesus is speaking authoritatively to those who would hear him. Uh, It's like he's saying, I have something significant to say to you, something foundational. You can build your very lives on my words by doing them. You see, later on in this sermon, On the plain, Jesus says that those who hear and do his words are like those who build their house on a rock that not even a flood can shake. But those who hear but don't do what he says build their houses without a foundation. And we'll see everything that they have built come to great ruin. 
Now, if that doesn't get your attention or my attention, then I don't know what will. Um, we can't just ignore Jesus here in his words. And we can't just make excuses and say, hey, let the saints among us love the way that Jesus wants us to love. Jesus says, love your enemies, and his command is radical. I'm going to point out at least three ways here that his command is radical. First of all, it is radical because it's a call to action, not just emotion. Loving your enemies requires an unnatural act of will. It's not easy. Secondly, his command is radical because it's so overarching. Look at the words that, co- that follow, love your enemies. Love your enemies, and love expresses itself by doing good to those who hate you, blessing those who curse you, praying for those who insult you. You know, this is what the baptized do. Believers must even be, be prepared to be treated violently and stripped of their clothes and their material goods. His command is radical. Third, so it's, his love is radical because it's a call to action. His, his love is radical or his command is radical because it's so overarching. And then third, his command is radical because it goes above and beyond the gold standard. What is the gold standard? Well, the golden rule of love. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus restates the golden rule this way, verse 31. And as you wish what others would do to you, do so to them. But Jesus wants you and I to go beyond the worldly standard of, hey, I'll scratch your back if you scratch my back. (laughs) Kind of love. Jesus takes this further. Way further. He wants you and I to show love above and beyond the golden rule. Uh, Did I say that this command to love your enemies is radical? It's radical. Now, how can I love my enemies? I have run aground and I am stuck when it comes to loving my enemies. Well, remember, Paul writes this in Romans 5, verses 8 through 10. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Everything Jesus asks us, he he himself has done on our behalf. While we were enemies, Christ died for us. That's love in action. And now, Romans 5, verse 5, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now that love, which is Jesus himself, transforms broken, sinful lives into something which belongs in heaven and which reflects God's very nature. Now that, that is our true humanity. The broken humanity which we have learned to cope with is in fact not our true humanity. To err is not human. To sin is not human. It is a terrible thing which has been wrought upon us by an evil enemy. Our true humanity is to love 
and live in a beautiful and perfect fellowship with one another. As Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, love endures and will pass with us from this life into the next. Jesus has both lived and died in this love, and by his spirit he gives life into the next. Jesus continues his sermon. Now we lean in and we listen. Verse 35, but love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great and you will be the sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. So, how does one love our one's enemies, do good and lend without expecting anything in return? By becoming merciful. But here again, you and I get stuck. And the love shown in mercy doesn't get to our neighbor. Well, this doesn't seem to be getting any easier to do, is it? Well, again, remember, everything that Jesus asks us, he himself has done on our behalf. Let's think of Joseph's story and his brothers. Joseph had them right where he wanted them. He was the most powerful man in Egypt after Pharaoh. He could have had them killed and their bodies dumped in some pit, and no one would have ever said a thing to him about it. It would have had a certain symmetry had he done so. They threw him in a cistern once and then had sold him into the slave pits of Egypt. And now they groveled before him, not even lifting their eyes to see the brother that they had tried to kill. But Jesus, or Joseph does not do this. This is, this is not sentimentality on his part. He is not just overwhelmed by brotherly affection or some longing for a lost home. He has calculated and he has manipulated this moment He has brought them to this very time when they would speak their sorrow and offer their own lives in the place of their brother. But all that manipulation and drawing out of them their confession was laid on top of a reality which Joseph expresses in this text. God had sent him to Egypt because God was saving lives. Not only the lives of Jacob and his sons, but the lives of untold millions of people as Egypt was, it was the storehouse of food in a brutal seven-year famine. So God had sent Joseph to Egypt. He saw that and now he is showing mercy to his brothers. How could Joseph show mercy? Well, God had shown him mercy. Be merciful, even as your father is merciful. Is this too big of an ask by Jesus? Well, then remember, everything that Jesus asks us, he himself has done on our behalf. And Jesus gives you and me eyes to see our enemies all differently. Their their abuse and hatred is real. But to respond in kind is not my only option. Jesus shows me a better way and empowers that way. I I can love I can show mercy with the mercy of God the Father. It is a love not dependent on their behavior, but on Jesus' work. Thus, I can love my enemy and abuser 
And now we come to that third section of our text in verses 37 through 38. Judge not, condemn not, forgive. Now Jesus just seems to be piling on here, doesn't he? Uh, and we feel stuck. Jesus' exhortation to love seems to, to us maybe to be a recipe to be a doormat, a victim, a person upon whom the world stomps. Now, you and I get stuck here because no one wants to be a doormat. It may, in fact, look that way to the person who does not believe, but Jesus puts this into a wholly other economy of this world. Take, let's take a look at the text. In God's, in verses 37 through 38, in God's economy, love is never lost nor wasted. He is the ultimate accountant who pours a better measure into our laps than anything we have given away. Forgive, and he showers us with forgiveness. Love, and discover that he multiplies your love. Best of all, in loving this way, we are his children, for we are loving as he loves. But this, this all takes courage and it takes perseverance. And where do we get that kind of courage and perseverance? Well, again, just ask Paul. He's coming up with a lot of the answers today. Uh, in our epistle reading, he has yet he courage and perseverance to face dangers every day. No, every hour, he says, he writes. Where did he get that courage and perseverance? Well, the resurrection of Jesus and his power to destroy all enemies under his feet, including death, gave him and us courage and perseverance. God loves his children, and he will never, we will never be forsaken by him. And everything that Jesus asks, he himself has done on our behalf. So six days after the wedging of, wedging itself sideways into a single lane section of the canal, this 220,000 ton ship was freed by around-the-clock digging, and the tugs, tugboats, some tugboats were pushing, some were uh, and pushed and pulled it into the center of the waterway. Now, the night before was a full moon, so that meant unusually high waters, that that could help refloat the boat. The mood on the scene in the Suez Canal just changed when, that, when they dislodged that ship, uh, the mood was joyful, the workers cheered, and the vessels honked. You know, the life of Christ really is the answer to how, how do I get unstuck in showing love, even to my enemies. By our baptism, Christ lives in us. He's, he's tugging and pushing at our hearts. He's nudging us with patient love to get us moving. His abundant tidal waters of love uh, floats our boat and gets us out of the mud. We are unstuck, and how is this possible? Well, again, Paul puts it this way, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Christ is at work in me, in my flesh. The life I live is not really me living, but Christ is in me. And I don't think Paul is speaking metaphorically here. I think he's asserting that Jesus really is working in the lives of Christians, making lives which are not holy in themselves, holy and pure and good 
So can you and I, who now hear Jesus' words, actually do his words of loving enemies and foes? Well, everything Jesus asks us, he has done on our behalf. We love with the same love which came down at Christmas. We love with the same love that walked the shores of Galilee. We love with the same love that died on a cross and rose from the dead. He puts love in our hearts and calls us into this world with a holy purpose, to be this, the living invitation to this broken and darkened world. So in this life, we may have supply chain issues and shortages of material goods, but there is one thing that we will never lack, God's love. Both now and in the age to come, God's supply of love is inexhaustible. inexhaustible. God the Father sent this love, his only Son, our Lord, to give it to us, and the Holy Spirit now pours that love into our hearts. Be of good cheer, and be courageous, and persevere as you share God's love to everyone and anyone, even your enemy. Let his love flow. In name of God the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.